It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Happy Hump Day, Reds fans. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds in podcast form. This is, of course, the Lockdown Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today, we're going to get to some headlines here. I've got some talking about some cheating. We're going to dive into all of that here in just a moment. Plus, the first ever segment of Jib Jab with Joey. But before we get to all of that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many platforms. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Carr, with three Fs, and follow the show at LockedOnReds. Also, save the LockedOnReds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159, and head on over to LockedOnReds.com for even more content. Got some great articles up there by Dave Pemberton and Clay Snowden. Definitely check those out. So just a few headlines today. Uh, One that I missed. Yesterday, the Reds have signed to a minor league contract with invite to spring training, Matt Davidson. Davidson recently played with the Chicago White Sox. He is kind of a two-way threat. He's not necessarily the kind of reliever that we're uh, looking for Michael Lorenzen to be by any stretch of the imagination, but he does have pop with a bat, and he can pitch as well. We might see him... Uh, Pitching probably later on in the season, whenever the bullpen is starting to, you know, need a little bit of a break. But uh, he's a two-way player, an interesting signing there. We'll have a episode later on here, closer to spring training, looking at the non-roster invitees and what they might bring to the table. Also, the Reds have announced the winter caravan lineups for all four. Uh, directions, if you will, all four different tours. 
The North group is highlighted by new acquisition Mike Mostakis. You'll also see manager David Bell in that group. The East Tour will have Aristides Aquino, Lucas Sims, and top prospect Jose Garcia, as well as Eric Davis and Marty Brenneman. That's a pretty loaded tour there as well. The South Tour will see newcomer Jose De Leon with a Mike Ciani. And then on specific days, Hunter Green, Sonny Gray, Jesse Winkler, and then on the West, you've got Amir Garrett, Josh Van Meter, Jonathan India, Tom Browning, Jim Bay, Jeff Bacoro, and Sean Pender. Lots of different things. We'll talk a little bit more about the Reds Winter Caravan here on a future episode. But you've got your lineups as well. Looking at them, uh, the, int- the North Tour is really interesting. You also have uh, Corky Miller, Tom Brenneman, Phil Castellini, Sam Grossman, and Brian Giesenslaw on a, a uh, select stop or two there on the North Tour. The East Tour sounds pretty loaded, too, when you add in Nick Crawl joins Marty, Eric Davis, Jose Garcia, Aquino, and Sims. I swear to God, I'm smart. And here's today's focus. Uh, the focus topic for today, and it's something that has really gained legs over the last couple of days, and that is this whole, and it's more of an around-the-league topic, and we're going to get into some around-the-league news here in just a minute, but when it comes to this whole cheating thing, it started with the Astros using technology and uh, you know different sort of uh, devices to steal the signs and then bang on drums to alert hitters and alert base runners of what the sign is and what's about to happen from the other team. That sounded pretty asinine, really. They got caught. It's kind of a bummer there that they had to cheat, but at the same time, you know, whatever. I I think everybody, to a degree, tries to figure out their own loophole and bend within the rules. Then it comes out through a, a report by Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic, and, and he's, he had multiple sources from within the Red Sox organization, that in 2018, the Red Sox used the video replay booth right near the dugout to hone in on the opposing catcher's pitching signals as he was giving them to the pitcher so that they could learn those signs and then relay them to the hitters. Ugh. I'm going to tell you what, I am a big proponent in all sports, not just baseball, but a big proponent that replay is annoying. I understand that it is there to help officials in cases where they need it. I think it has been expanded to ridiculous proportions, especially when you look at the fact that in Major League Baseball games, we now have these issues where replay Since they can slow it down to the millisecond almost, they can tell exactly the moment that a batter's foot hits the base, that a cleat touches first base, so they can tell exactly when someone is out. That's not what this was for. Now, I get it. You you can get a call right. That is what we're talking about. We're talking about a case where the umpire is not sure. I think in cases like this, we need to scale back replay because if you're able to turn the replay booth into a weapon because he was going so far as to say that they were zooming the camera in on the catcher's signals. Why on earth do you need that 
why do the teams get the ability to control the camera? They should just see the camera angle that the television shows and they don't, you know, not zoom in or anything like that. Or maybe even have dedicated cameras on each base and not necessarily a vantage point that you can see signs. Listen, I understand. Stealing signs has been a part of baseball forever. Kind of a throwback here. When I played in high school, Lord knows there's a reason I'm talking to here on this podcast and not actually on the field playing. I wasn't very good. You know, if you look at scouting ratings and they go on a system from 20 to 80, I'd say my bat, uh, let's see, uh, hit for average was probably about a 25. Uh, hit for power was about a 30. Uh, <laughs> those are probably too high. Really, the only thing worth a snuff, the only thing I was really good at in high school was I could steal a sign, man. I even got my coach into a very loud shouting match with an opposing coach in one game. That was a, that was an interesting one, and uh, you know we had to scale back uh, how overt we were at figuring out their signs. But at the same token, once we got caught, we knew how to fix it. The Red Sox got caught a couple of years ago, and they got you know quote unquote punished. Then they figured out how to fix it with this replay room thing. And and, and there's uh, other articles out there talking that, you know, they're going to try some new communication methods, use some new technology between pitchers and catchers so that they could get the pitch signal to the pitcher from the catcher without someone being able to steal that sign. Do they not understand that people know how to hack just about anything? I I don't know. We're we're getting into way craziness here, and I joked about it on Twitter. I just you know if it's a thing where it's an earpiece between the catcher and the pitcher, where you can just hey give me a fastball or you know whatever the code word would be. I just can't wait for that to malfunction the first day, and the pitcher be like, yo, what's the sign? And be like, uh, sir, this is a Wendy's restaurant. Yeah, I don't know. I I think we're going a little crazy here. It, it, to deny that other teams don't find some way of stealing signs, don't find some way of gaining an unfair advantage, is foolhardy. But at the same token, we got to trust that the essence of baseball is not being lost in all of this. And I know this kind of sounds hippy-dippy, but when it comes to this cheating thing, I don't necessarily think that it's one of those things that's like, oh, this is going to ruin the sport. This is just, this is going to cripple these teams. It's going to cripple these fan bases. Eh, I don't subscribe to that. Now, I also don't subscribe to the whole idea of, well, the teams that cheat are right. I, it's, you know, whatever. It's a gray area. I, maybe I just don't see it as that big of a deal. I don't know. Maybe you're not. Maybe you've got a different opinion. Let me know. 513-549-0159. Here in just a moment, we're going to get to a couple more headlines. We're going to look at some recent transactions around the league and what's been going on. But first, are you looking to get out to Arizona and see the Reds in some spring training action? The best way to do that is to go to visitarizona.com slash spring training to book your trip today. You can book your flight, you can book your hotel, you can even set up some, you know, excursions and uh, things to do once you get there because there's plenty to do. That area where Cactus League spring training action is played, 
not only is it teaming with a bunch of different teams that are playing around and you're not that far from pretty much every Cactus League team, but on the other end of the spectrum, plenty to see and do, whether you be a foodie, if you're an adventuristic type person, all kinds of stuff to do, and great place to bring the family as well. Plenty of water parks and things like that, even if you're an avid golfer. I mean, Arizona... Being here in Cincinnati in February, I love my hometown, but at the same token, if I could be out in Arizona, I would. And the best way to do that is to go to visitarizona.com slash spring training today. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC couple of things to get to before we close up shop on today's Locked On Reds podcast. Firstly, I wanted to take a look because there have been a rash of transactions that I have not really talked about from other teams. And a lot of it. Interesting. I like to brag that the Reds are one of the most interesting teams this offseason. The Nationals are trying to encroach on that as well. The Nationals have assigned a handful of guys here. They got Eric Thames the other day for $4 million, which I was happy about because now he's out of the division. I, I was a little confused because he stayed in the National League. I thought he profiled a lot better as a designated hitter, but I'm guessing they're going to slot him into some kind of platoon at first base there in D.C. The Nats also get Will Harris from Houston a great late inning reliever for three years, $24 million. They keep Daniel Hudson, another great reliever. Uh, they get him for two years, $11 million. And they signed a second baseman, a guy to replace Howie Kendrick, Starlin Castro. Pretty good sign there for them. Two years, $12 million. Steve Ciszek is signed by the White Sox for one year, $6 million. He kind of fell under an intriguing free agent option for the bullpen that the Reds could look at for me. But again, I've always said that I didn't think the Reds would really spend that much, if anything. Probably take some flyers, you know, minor league deals with invites to spring training, that sort of thing. An interesting one, Jimmy Nelson signed away from the Brewers. He is now a Dodger. He signed for one year, 750 k And our good buddy, in a topic of some intrigue this past season, because there are many of those out there, many of Red fans out there, who believe that Jose Iglesias was the most valuable player on the team last year. He is now a Baltimore Oriole. He signed for one year, $3 million with a... Uh, I believe it was a mutual option for another year at $3 million. Uh, could be an interesting trade chip, as some have said. Robinson Chirinos, a possible catcher target that we talked about early on in the post or in the offseason and then kind of realized quickly that the Reds really weren't going after a free agent catcher once Yasmani Grandal was signed, but Chirinos was signed by the Rangers at one year, $6.75 million. Another Catching target Jason Castro signed by the Angels at one year, $6.85 million. And then lastly, a, a, a name that uh, many have talked about as a possible fit 
for the Reds in the outfield, a name that uh, some thought would be a cost-effective outfield bat. Those of you who believed he was cost-effective, you'd probably be right, because the deal that he just signed wasn't all that bad. I am, of course, talking about Corey Dickerson, who just signed with the Miami Marlins for two years, $17.5 million. And it's interesting to note, because a deal like that does make you wonder how in the Reds really were, because they overpaid, by some estimations, for Mike Moustakis. And, and when you're at the point that the Reds are at, overpaying to get wins is not that big a deal. Because we're looking for the postseason. I don't care what it costs. If they're overpaying for guys, then why does Corey Dickerson sign a pretty, you know, I hate to use the word cheap, but it kind of looks like a cheap deal. Maybe the Reds didn't, weren't that uh, into him. You know, as they say, they weren't that into him. I, I, that's what I think. Interestingly enough, uh, former Red, maybe an obscure former Red, Austin Bryce was DFA'd by the Marlins to make room for Corey Dickerson on the roster. So that's a bunch of moves that was going down. Really, the biggest free agent left that everybody's talking about is Josh Donaldson. Everybody's thinking the Nats are still trying to go after him because they lost Rendon to the Angels. Be interesting to see how that falls. And of course, we're still waiting. Every time I get on and I search any kind of rumors about Francisco Lindor, there's really not a whole lot out there. And maybe, you know, a former host of the Locked On Reds podcast, James Rapine, now uh, Indians beat reporter for a Cleveland radio station, he said that he doesn't believe that the. Uh, Indians will trade Lindor at all to anybody. They think that they'll hold on to him, maybe trade him at the deadline, if at all. Maybe try to extend him. I'm not sure. But at the same token, you got to believe with all of this stuff, like the, the Indians setting a deadline around Christmas time. I think it was like the weekend before Christmas. They were like, get your offers in now. And the fact that we really haven't heard anything past that makes me wonder. A little bit. We'll, we'll see. I'm keeping my eye on it every single day. But now, let's, let's get into this because this is going to be fun. This is the Red Surge, boys. The Red Surge. Joey Votto. Joey Votto. Joey Votto. Joey Votto. Joey Votto. Joey Votto. I'm a little biased. I put that together uh, just uh, today. Well, okay, not today, just yesterday. I'm really happy about that drop. I hope you are too. That's going to be the drop that we use, at least here for a little bit, whenever I do a segment of the uh, season ticket holder chat that Jim Day and Joey Votto had at Reds Fest. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to do some little segments. Today, Joey's talking about some favorite former teammates of his. And I like the bit that he had here at the end. But, uh, but first, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of guys uh, that he mentioned at the start. 
you know, Scott Rowland was a great teammate, and I, I learned a lot from him. Uh, there's a style of play that I admire and respect and try to emulate now. You know, I play with Jay Bruce, who is my peer. Uh, we came up roughly at around the same time, and he was a very consistent, successful player that I liked competing with. I know that he is currently on the Hall of Fame ballot for this year. It'd be really cool to see Scott Rowland make it into the Hall of Fame. If I had a vote, I'm not so sure, at least probably not the first year that I would vote for him. I I don't know. I've seen some folks are voting for him, which I find that encouraging. He had a really good career, and it'd be nice to see a former Red make it into the Hall of Fame. I also wonder what jersey he would wear if he made it. But I mean, come on, I I really could not be less surprised that he picked those two guys, at least to start. Roland, by all accounts, was the leader in that clubhouse back then. And I can see that he, that Joey kind of took some quiet leadership qualities from his time with Scott Rowland, as many do attest him to being a big, a big personality in that locker room. Also, raise your hand if you're surprised that he picked Jay Bruce. I'm not. I mean, 2010, Joey Votto MVP, Jay Bruce walks it off to win the division for the Reds. That kind of thing would just galvanize teammates, I would think. I mean, I've never been in that situation myself. Like I mentioned earlier, I never even sniffed an MVP in high school, let alone hit a home run. But, yeah, anyway, this next part, I really like what he said in this next part because I feel like this guy... It kind of like he could, you know, whatever, I'll let him say it. You know, who didn't get a lot of credit, and I felt like it was a little bit unfair, was Brandon Phillips. He and I played side-by-side side together for a long time. And Brandon, you know, Brandon had a little bit of a, <clears throat> I think he had a public persona that people looked at him as, you know, perhaps a flash or, um, but he played every day. And I watched him play through a lot of different inj- injuries that may have um, caused other players to t- hit the pause button. Um, he worked every single day. He was as routine-oriented and, and, and as steadfast with his work every day. He took a great deal of pride in wearing the Cincinnati Reds uniform, and, and he had a general like love and fondness for the city, the uniform, and being a part of the team. And you know, getting getting to play next to him. I learned a great deal, and um, I felt a great deal of respect for him. And um, you know, he was just—I thought he was a very professional player that uh, that uh, you know wanted to be. If, to me, when I think of a Cincinnati Red, I really do think of Brandon Phillips. That is high praise coming from a dude who's going to go down as one of the best Reds to ever put on a uniform, and that being Joey Votto. But the fact that he thinks back on Brandon Phillips as one of his favorite teammates, and when he thinks about the quintessential Red, Brandon Phillips is the first guy that comes to mind. I know we like to make a, make fun because, you know, he made a big deal out of Scooter Jeanette wearing the number four, and now some of us fans like to just kind of joke about the idea that if a new guy comes in and wears the number four, like, oh no, I wonder if they asked BP. But I, in all seriousness, I love Brandon Phillips whenever he was here. And I know like toward the end, whenever it was time for him to move on, time for the Reds to move on, that was kind of one of those hard things where it's like, all right, obviously they've got to get a new second baseman rolling in here. But at the same time, man, I hate to see BP go. And I hope that one day 
they can induct him into the Reds Hall of Fame. I've seen some people say, well, they got to retire his number. No, 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 no. That's reserved for the absolute top, 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 top echelon. Number 19, that's going to get retired. Joey Votto's number will be retired by the Reds. I, I just don't see them ever retiring Brandon Phillips' number. That's not... Not something that I see the Reds doing, but he is absolutely deserving of being a Reds Hall of Famer because, like Joey said, he is the quintessential Red when you think about it. Anyway, that's going to do it for today here on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, the Himalaya Podcasting app, uh, Podbean or whatever else there is. I know that there's a ton. I check the stats every so often, and I see apps that I did not know existed and websites that I didn't know existed. If you're listening on one of those, kudos to you. You are awesome. And so are you if you're listening on iTunes. All of you guys are awesome. I thank you for checking out this podcast each and every day. And we'll be coming at you tomorrow, hopefully with some more news, some more rumors for our Cincinnati Reds each and every day here. On the Locked On Reds Podcast, my name is Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.